Happy, I have no idea what day it is, everybody. And welcome to the most I need a haircut and every day is exactly the same podcast and all of the internet made man. Where today, tonight, I just finished watching season seven, episode 13, The Milk and Honey Root. I say root, not route. And before we get talking into the penultimate episode of Mad Men as a series, let's take a moment to hear from today's sponsor. Oh, what an awesome sponsor that was. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Two episodes left. After this, there's just one episode of Mad Men left. I, I can't believe it. I'm not even sure what to think. We started this journey so long ago. I thought, well, you know, this will be a nice way to finally watch this show that everybody loves. And um, I almost kept to a weekly basis. I think um, I kind of pushed, I pushed the envelope. So it was Friday for a while. Then all of a sudden it'd be Saturday, then Sunday. Uh, and then I couldn't do Monday. So I started doing some on Tuesday and today. Well, I know today's Wednesday. But if you're in the future, it really doesn't matter, does it? If you're catching up, who cares? There's another episode there. And this one is for, oh my God, the second to last episode ever of Mad Men. Did it feel like the second to last ever episode? Um, in some moments, it didn't. And in other moments, majorly. Major things happened in this episode. and um, But for our main character, really, it was just kind of him... Spreading his wings. I almost said spreading his legs, but that's that's what he used to do. Not so much. Well, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Um, it's late. So why don't we just get into it, and I'm just going to run through this episode in order, because that's what I do now. I, I go through the episode step by step. We wake, we, uh, we wake up. We start with Don doing what he's been doing, driving, just driving. You know, he ended the last episode looking for a waitress. And ever since then, he seems to not have gone back to work. He's just driving. But what we actually see is a dream. So he's driving. He gets pulled over. I couldn't. I, I rewound it and tried again to see if maybe that police officer was somebody. Because you could just barely see the reflection of his face. And I thought, you know, could that have been his brother? Could that have been the guy who, who the real Don Draper from the war? Could that have been something like it would have been awesome if they did that. Just like as a subtle little nod. And maybe they did. I haven't looked it up, but I went back. I didn't recognize who it was. It was so quick, but I, I wouldn't put it past them to do something that smart. Uh, and the, the police officer is like, we've been looking for you. You know, uh, he's like, oh, this must be some misunderstanding. He goes, you know how long we've been looking for you or something like that. Shines a light in his face and boom, he wakes up. He's in bed. He's in a hotel or a motel. It seems like he's, he's just been kind of, I, w- I wouldn't say riding the rails because he has a car, but he's been oh, riding the open road. I guess is, is the milk and honey route a like part of the world is there like a part of the country they call the milk and honey route because that's where milk is made and and also that is where honey is made i don't know i could be very wrong but that's what i assume um it is it also seems sweet like the easy way the easy way and you know uh, in this episode there is there is some things that aren't quite easy that happen um for one guy, it seems to be happening, but for another family and another woman, not so much. Um, so 
after the you know Don wakes up in his hotel, and we jump over to the Campbell house. I guess they're still. I think it's still Trudy and Tammy Campbell, and their um, their turtlenecked uh, father and ex husband or separated husband is there because he was with Tammy. Uh, had the day with her, and he fixing. She got a bee sting, so he put he put. Um, Toothpaste on it, which is like, what the hell? He, he, people don't know. But, you know, it reminded me. I remember in the in college watching on TV where Paula Abdul gave a tip to putting toothpaste on a zit, on a pimple. I've done it, and it works. And now, mind you, I'm an old man now, so I don't get pimples anymore. I don't think I do. But it did work uh, and because it just dries out the skin. I don't know why I thought of that, but just seeing him put pimple, uh, putting pimple, putting a toothpaste on a um, bee sting, um, I thought was just interesting. So he's just there kind of like, Oh, I spent the day with her. We had a fun time and, um, I'll see you next time. And Trudy's there with her friend and they just got out of tennis. Uh, and the girl was like, I don't know how you do it. It's so nice that you put on a brave face and, and you don't talk bad about your in front about him in front of your daughter. She's like, why would I do that? That's, that would be bad for her and bad for him and bad for me. And I wouldn't have to think about it if you didn't remind me all the time. She's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, Pete is going to have sex with this woman. That's the whole, that's where it's going to end. Pete is going to have sex with Trudy's friend. And because that's just, that's how they programmed you. Later on in the episode, Don sees a woman. I go, Don's going to have sex with her. That's just, it's just, it's like you think it's almost an an inevitability, inevitable, inevitable, inevitability. That's probably not a word, but as I said, it is late and I've been working uh, even though, you know, uh, we're stuck at home, I'm, st- I'm working as much as ever because I work from home most of the time anyway. Um, but I'm still here to podcast for you. Here's a long distance dedication to Sally Draper. She got a phone call from Don. So I love one of my favorite interactions in the whole show forever has been Sally and Don because Don talks to her like a person where Betty, not so much. But Don and her just kind of talked to each other. Uh, there was the one episode where she came into New York and ended up spending the night. Just they had some interaction and conversations. Uh, the way Sally, even a couple episodes ago, you know, yelled at her because of the way he seemed to be flirting. Yelled at him the way he seemed to be flirting with his or her friends were flirting with him. And he wasn't, you know, putting the kibosh on it. She's like, "You both of you are the same. Just the way that she treats them and acts to them. Um, I like, and me say words. So, um, they're just talking. He's kind of given the route of where he's going. Maybe he gave the milk and honey route. He's like, I'm going on route this to route that to route this. And she's, you know, she's not going to do uh, field hockey. She needs to sell her equipment. And he's like, you need to sell it. You don't know anything about money. And, um, she's like, I still want to go to Spain. Um, and you know, it's just, it was a nice, uh, moment and he's like, is it cold there? She's like, no, not yet. He's like, oh, okay, I gotta go. I want to call your brothers before they go to bed. So it's nice. He's checking in with the kids, seeing how they're doing, and letting them know that he's on this route. So he's talking about he's in this motel and he's talking about this long route. So he has not been back. He's just kind of left and he's just kind of roaming the country. We cut over to university. I don't know exactly where um, Betty is going to college. But um, she's, you know, walking uh, up the steps because there's no elevator in this college. We, uh, that is very clear. And, you know, it's funny. The episode starts and or this moment starts. And I'm thinking, geez, 
is she like, she's really having a hard time getting up those stairs. Like, is she, is this supposed to show that she's so much older than the other students? Is that why, um, this is happening? But then she falls. She almost faints kind of. And, um, it's, you know, they're like, uh, do you need help, ma'am? Do you need help? She's like, I I need a moment. You know, she, she hurt herself, but she couldn't get up yet. So, you know, you think, uh uh-oh, something's gone up. Something's happening here. Um, we cut over to McCann Erickson. Is that what it's called? McCann, whatever, just McCann. And, um, I got to tell you, this is the only moment I think of the entire episode that we see any business stuff, right? Or maybe we see Pete's office later, but just about everything that happens in this episode just about happens outside of the office. We don't see Roger. We don't see Peggy. We don't see Joan. Uh, it's this, this episode is surrounded around three stories and three stories only Pete, Betty, and Dawn. Uh, and Pete's, Pete's story is the happiest, which is tough to say because I'm not a huge Pete fan, but guess who I like even less than Pete? It's duck. I hate duck. Duck you duck. I dislike you. Then I dislike you. The moment you open that door and let your dog out, I will never forget that. I will never forget that duck. And, um, I dislike you and you are a, either you're a genius or you're desperate, but he, he, this whole thing. This whole thing was a ploy. So Duck is like, oh, I'm going on this elevator to um, going on the 28th floor. And they're like, oh, you're here to replace Don Draper? So the, obviously the scuttlebutt around the office is that Don Draper is gone and they need to replace him. So there's obviously been some sort of decision made. Man, I can't stop yawning. Uh, so, but it's like, he's like, well, I'll fill you in. I'll fill you in. Let, let, me, let, let me talk to you about it. So he goes in, he follows Pete in and goes into Pete's office and Pete's like, I can't be seen with you. It's going to look like I'm looking for work. And Pete's like, listen, and Duck's like, listen, I got to, uh, I got to tell you this whole thing. So I think I have this figured out. So Duck wants Pete to recommend that Duck hires a in, in office man person for a position at Learjet. Um, so he wants Pete to go sell McCann Erickson to Learjet and also sell Pete, sell Duck to Learjet. Um, so he's like, you just, just me with this guy. So I almost feel like let's just, let's just get Pete's story out of the way. Let's just, let's let's jump out of order. So that is, um, that is what Pete, Pete thinks he's doing. Pete goes to the meeting and he starts talking about Duck and he starts talking about uh, McCann Erickson, and the guy's like, "Yeah, but you know that you're kind of working against yourself. You're like you're you're almost um, trying to um, compete against yourself." So what it turns out is that this guy thinks Pete is there for a job interview, and Pete was kind of th- so Duck obviously thinks Pete's the perfect man for this job. He makes up some other dude, probably completely. I don't know. Or he has another dude that he, he he's using them to compete against each other. Gets Pete to go. Pete, this guy wants Pete, and um, this guy's interested in it. And they're like, you know what? He goes, I really am not interested in this. But why don't we get Pete um, the you know? Why don't we drink some more? Because ducks. This is on ducks bill. Oh boy, duck bill. Boom! I didn't even think of that. And the next day, um, 
Duck calls him. Duck always seems drunk in this episode. He seems to be in a rush in an airport in a phone booth, and he seems to be drunk. He's like, they loved you. He goes, I wasn't doing a, um, I wasn't doing a, um, you know, a job interview. He goes, they want to give you $100,000 a year, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you know, I have a four-year contract with McCann that, that ends with a million dollars. And Duck's like, okay, now we have a starting point. He's like, what? What are you talking about? Pete was very much annoyed by Duck. But it seems like whatever he's doing, it's working. So um, later on in the episode, Pete is there with, you know, saying goodbye to um, to Tammy. And he was with Tammy for the night again. And he stays to eat some pie that she made her. And him and Trudy have a little conversation. And he's like, listen, I need to ask you, I need to ask you a favor. I'm going to dinner Saturday and um, I would like you to come with me. Um, and um, they were like, she's like, nope, you know, that ship has sailed. I don't forget what, what happened. You know, you like to sugarcoat and make everything sentimental, but I remember how it was and I'm not going to do that. He's like, okay. He, he, he doesn't, he didn't feel, he wasn't a jerk about it. He was just like, all right, I guess so. Uh, but he told Duck, he told Duck he didn't want to go to dinner. He told Duck he wasn't, you know, um, interested and they're like oh meet with the dog meet with the wives and everything and um but he told her i'm not really interested he jumps we jump to pete later at a dinner with his brother and his brother's with him for dinner and then his brother's trying to leave quickly and pete's like what are you doing he goes something came up he goes in the middle of dinner and then pete realizes that his brother used going to dinner with him as an excuse to get out of the house so he can go to some other woman and cheat on his wife and it was like they had some sort of weird like realization in this moment where they do it. They did it. And Pete's like, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we always want more? You know, he's talking about what, what is enough with a job? What is enough with women? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, dad did it. And they joked about how dad was, you know, everyone seemed to love dad. But why do we do it? And he's like, Pete said a line. He goes, it's good. It feels good until it doesn't. And it guilted the brother into not going with the woman. And I feel like it guilted Pete or he just thought about it more. Maybe the way Trudy talked to him, um, it just something has clicked in Pete where he's not a complete sociopath, crazy person. I don't know. Uh, but he does not look good in a turtleneck. I'll give you that. So Pete did not go to dinner with um, this guy with the, you know, the wife's dinner. He just didn't go. Duck shows up at his hotel room drunk as a skunk. And he's like, we got him right where we want him now. Uh, you, he, I told him, I told him he was insulted. You were insulted by his offer. So I got you this, I got you that, I got you all these offers. And Pete is like pissed at him for doing it. He's like, we can even get uh, a McCann buyout. And it was, I guess, whatever it did, it got to Pete. Pete then went to Trudy in the middle of the night, four in the morning, and says, I want to move with you to Wichita, Wichita Kansas. I want to bring our family back together. I want this. And he did something. He, he seemed endearing or he seemed real enough that seems like Trudy fell for it or bought into it or believes it. Maybe it's real. And in a weird way, I was like, good for Pete. I can't believe I said this. I can't believe I thought this. He's like, I've always loved you. I'm like, well, you did sleep with and impregnate uh, Peggy. I've always, it's always been you. You know, I do. I do. It, it seemed a little swarmy, but it almost felt genuine. I don't know. Is this the end of Pete? Did we just see Pete's story end? Did we see Joan's story end last week when she got bought out? And now do we see Pete's story end? I mean, this is... 
it's crazy. Like, is he he's going to take the job with Learjet, move to Kansas, get out of the ad game um, or whatever the hell, get out of the advertising firm, um, get back together with Trudy and Tammy. And like, what do I tell Tammy? He said, tell him, tell her her birthday wish came true. Um, wild, wild and wacky. I think the Campbells might be happy and back together. Crazy. But let that's, I wanted to get Pete's story out of the way because Pete's story was the C story. If there's an A, B, and C story, um, Pete's story was the C story. The A story is Don's story, but I'm going to, but really the Betty story is the most important story of this episode. It is the most, it is the biggest, it is the toughest of the episode because, um, after Betty fainted, they brought her into the college doctor, I guess, and or maybe it was a clinic. I, I, I just assumed it was the college, the you know, health services. And the 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 nurse was like Mrs. Robinson, and it was a joke because the kids called her Mrs. Robinson because she's a little older, and they're all attracted to her. Um, but as it turns out, um, the doctor she's like, oh, he's like, can we call your husband? This is what drove me nuts in this episode. That the that the woman who is in seeing the doctor, the woman who is being told news, the woman who is dealing with something, needs to needs to talk to her husband. And he's like, "Listen, there might be something else on the X ray. I would like to talk. I'd like you to call your husband, not tell me. I'd like you to call your husband." We see the shot of Henry getting in the car. The next shot, and he's like, "She shouldn't have talked to you that way. That was very, you know, very. Um, he shouldn't have scared you like that." And I thought, "Oh, good. It was just a scare." Uh, and then she goes to have a cigarette, and he takes the cigarette, crumples them, throws them in the back seat. Like, what are you doing? And Betty is just like, mm. you know, she just has this blank look on her face. Um, the next time we see Betty, she is in a doctor's office, and she, we are watching her. We are watching her as she's being delivered news about cancer, lung cancer, about what can happen. Betty Francis has lung cancer. And I look, I haven't been a big Betty fan over the years, um, but it's devastating. And what was even worse is we're watching her. We're thinking the doctor's looking at her. No, the doctor is in the other side of the room telling Henry this. Like, listen, the little lady has, has lung cancer. I just thought you should know. And about the treatments and all these things, you just, and you just feel bad. You, see, you feel bad for Henry in this episode. Henry's never been a villain. Look, he's not Don. I don't like that he lived in Don's house for that long, but... Um, he, he's, he's not, um, he's not a villain. And, um, he gave Betty the happiness in the family that, you know, she deserved, um, or that she wanted. I don't know if anyone deserves it. Everyone deserves it. I don't know what I'm talking about, but just there's a moment where Henry's head, head goes down and just feel really bad. Um, the thing, and then back in, you know, back at the Francis household, we see her and she is um, brushing her hair, brushing her hair. And Henry's like, what are you do? He's like, why do you keep, I can't do it. Henry Francis anymore. It's been so long. Why are you brushing your hair? I don't know. What, 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 what kind of accent is that? You got, you're not, your rib's not going to heal. And she's like, it's not going to heal, Henry. It's not going to happen. He's like, but there's all this radiation and all these things you can do. Betty doesn't want to do anything. She said, I saw my mother die. I saw what it did to me. I don't want my kids to go through that. We're not telling that. I'm worried about what I'm going to tell my kids when I, when I feel the time is right. She doesn't want to do anything. And Henry's pissed because Henry's like, let's fight this. There's all these diseases. There's, there's radiation. There's surgery. There's things that can be done. 
I mean, I don't look, I mean, it's 2020. This is like 1970, whatever. This is, you know, 50 years ago. And lung cancer is still like, I feel like that's the one that is still just deadly. Um, so I can imagine, I can only imagine what the treatments were there. It's like she can have nine months to a year. Um, but that's it. I think that's with the treatments, you know, give her an extra year, uh, which is awful. We cut over to, um, I'm going to stick with this story now. And this was, this was the toughest part of the episode. Uh, Sally comes home from class back to her dorm and Henry's there in the office. They, he scares the girls. But Henry's like, can I be alone with her, please? And he tells her the news. And just, he's like, I have bad news. Your mother's sick. And and it's not good. And just the, the stop of Sally, like, great actress. The look of, like, confusion and fear. And then the realization. And it just flipped like, it was like a switch was flipped. She covered her ears like she doesn't want to hear it. And just, like, this broken look on her face. It was friggin'. Oh, it was devastating. I was, and then Henry broke down. He started crying. He's like, "What am I going to do?" And oh, that was rough. Uh, but he's like, "You know, I." She doesn't want even to tell you, kids. I and she's not listening to me. There's things that can be done. There's treatments. I need you to talk her into it. Which I almost felt like. Look, it's good. It's a weird thing. It's like it's good to get Sally involved, but it is. Um, like, is it a, it, but it's like, she's a kid. You're putting this burden on her to talk her mother who is stubborn in her own right. Um, and you put this burden on this kid and it's like, oh, you know, and he's, but he's like, I didn't want you to know before it's too late. I think he said something like that, but it was like, that was rough. And it's just like, you know, my, my mother had, uh, had breast cancer when I was in college and, you know, thank God that is, you know, 20, I don't know. When it all happened, I'm going to guess, Jesus, I was a junior, so 97, maybe? I don't know. Long time ago, but thank God, still still kicking, still doing good. But I remember that, you know, I was away at college. My brother lived at home at college. He lived, he was in a local college. Actually, he might have been out of college by then. Um, but I, um, I, w- I come home on weekends and they already knew. Everybody else in the family knew, and they didn't tell me. They didn't tell me until I got home because they didn't want me to have to worry about it, deal with it until I got home. I guess, in a way, you know, it's like, well, that's good because all of a sudden I'm left behind in college learning all this stuff and, you know, knowing this and freaking out because what am I going to do? Maybe I would have raced home. Maybe I would have left school. I don't know. Um, But telling Sally, I don't know, it's just a little personal thing. Don't worry, you know, hey, hey. Uh, but uh, whatever, everything's good, happy ending. Um, but telling Sally this, it's like, well, he didn't leave her. He didn't leave her at school. So the, I guess you could, you could say there's that. Cause, um, next time we see them, he's like, I brought someone home with you Bring home f- for a visit. And there's Sally and Sally looks at her and Betty looks at Sally. And Betty has this just like dead look on her face. Cause she knows now that Sally knows. And she walks up to Sally, and this killed me. Sally kind of moved over like she wanted to give her a hug, and Betty just walked right by her. And I was so pissed at Betty because, look, 
It's tough. Betty's the one who's sick. But that's your kid. And oof, 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 that pissed me off. I, uh, uh, Betty, that pissed me off big time. Um, yeah, that bothered me a lot. Later on in the episode, Sally is in um, bed at night, and Betty comes in, and they have a little conversation. She's like, I saw my mother die. I'm not going to have you go with that. You're going to go back to school tomorrow. I'm going to give you a note. Here's a note for you to... Um, what to do with me after I'm gone because I, you know, it doesn't, it, this happens fast. Things happen fast. Uh, I don't want, uh, you're going to leave. I don't want you to worry Jean or, 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 or Bobby. Um, and she gave her a note and I was like, oh, okay. But it was like a quick little conversation. And then she's like, all right, go to bed. Good night. Close, shuts the light off, goes to bed. I'm like, what the hell? And the next thing we know, Sally who was not supposed to open this note until she was, um, you know, it, uh, college, uh, she it, it kind of cuts back and forth. So Betty actually wakes up the next day, and she's got her book bag out and her and books. And Henry's like, "What are you doing?" She says, "I'm going to college. I'm going to class." He's like, "Why are you doing? Why are you still doing that?" And she says, "Why was I ever doing it?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, why was she doing it? She didn't need the money. She was doing it for herself. She was doing it to to better herself, to educate herself. And she still wants to do it, so she's still going to do it. She goes to college." And she's still having trouble going up the steps, but it cuts back and forth between that and Sally reading the note. And the note is like, dear Sally, um, there's a picture of my blue dress and here's how I, I want my hair. It was like all the things, how I want my funeral done. And it was just like, oh my God, this kid is, what is she, 15? Like, what the hell? Putting this on her. It was rough. Like, here's my dress. You know how I want my hair done. And it was just like... It was a note. It was a sad note, um, you know, but it was like she did say some nice things. She was like, um, you know, you have always, you know, marched to the beat of your own drum. But I realized, you know, that's a good thing. You're a strong person and you're going to do well and you're going to do great. Um, that's rough. That's rough. The mother basically telling her daughter goodbye because, I mean, she doesn't even want her there to watch her get sicker. Oof. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's bringing up emotions. Woof, woof. Knock on wood, everything worked out um, for my mom. So, whew, that's, that's a rough episode. Rough for Betty. I mean, there's only one episode left. What is going to happen with Betty? Like, that's the thing. Pete's story could literally end now. We wouldn't even. We don't even need to see Pete, and it has an ending. He's moved to obviously he's moved to Lear, to Wichita, Kansas. He's worked at Lear. He's back with the family. It could literally be ended, and we don't have to have to see it again. It's kind of the same thing with this. We really don't have to see them again. This could have been Betty's send-off. I don't know. Anything's possible. Betty's send-off is, you know, she's going to eventually pass. And um, Henry's not sure. What is Henry going to do? Henry's life is built around his wife and his three stepchildren. If his wife's gone, these kids all go to dawn? I mean, what, what, what happens? I don't know. And look, it's not like it's going to be the next week. So even though Don's out on the road, it's not like the kids, he's, the kids are going to be homeless. Uh, and Henry really loves these kids. Does he raise them while Don's not around? I don't know. But it is, like it is something, it is something to think of. Could this be the last time we see Betty Francis? Henry Francis. 
is this the end of their story? Just kind of a open-ended, sad ending. I don't know. Whew. Rough, 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 rough. So why don't we get to the A story, which is... You know, it's weird that I'm calling this the A story. Um, it's the main character, but it's the least inconsequential story out of the three. It's just kind of Don hitting the open road. I mean, Don's in the open road, driving around, and he just so happens that his car breaks down. So he gets a tow into town. He gets a tow to a um, little hotel. It's run by it's the Sharon Inn, and it's run by a, a, a man and his wife Sharon. They run the inn, and it's six dollars a day or thirty something bucks for a few days. Don has no idea how long he's going to stay in town because he's got nothing to do, nowhere to go, and he's got a um, he's got to wait for his car to get fixed. So while he's in town, he really doesn't do too much at the beginning. He just kind of reads. Uh, then like a, a cleaning boy comes in cleaning boy. That sounds weird. The, the cleaning, yeah, he's a cleaning boy. He's like the, um, help. He's the, he's the, oh, he also brings in a, a message, um, for them, which what the hell was the message? I don't even remember. Was it, was it about his car? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think the message came up again in this episode. It's weird. It was definitely the car. I just, I had to know. I was like, what is that note? I, it was just at the note there, that um, there's a part that needs to come in. So Don's like, I'm going to need another book. He's going to be there longer. So this guy comes in, gives him a note, um, and he's going to clean the, the house, the apartment. And Don's like, yeah, maybe tomorrow. And the guy's like, look, the uh, chlorine probably cleaned the piss out of the pool so you can go swimming. So Don heads over to the pool, and that's where he sees this lady in a, all, you know, glimmering and tan tanning sitting out in a bikini and what you thought is oh that's who don is going to have sex with no never i don't think we ever see this woman again she has a um a book she's reading a book called the woman of rome i have no idea what the con what the significance is um i think don was eyeing her and then maybe the husband and the kids came by i couldn't tell if they were a family or not i don't know but i thought that it was funny so don just goes for a swim he's got nothing really much to do. He hangs out at the pool. He did give the kid um, 10 bucks to go get a bottle of um, booze because there's not much to do around there. Uh, and the kid, he's like, come on, you have more money. You can give me a little more. So he gives him some money to get the booze because uh, he's like, it, it, it took me a long time to get the booze around here. Um, so Don just hangs out in this hotel room, drinks, and then his TV dies. Everything kind of was happenstance for Don in this episode. Um, you know, the the car broke down in this town. The TV died after he got the drink. He met this kid. The kid saw he had some money. He's like, I used to be in the advertising game. I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. He's officially out of the advertising game. And um, he corrected the kid's grammar. He's like, I don't got nothing. You don't have anything. Uh, he's like, do you want a drink? And the guy's like, no, I'm, I'm one-eighth Apache. I can't touch the stuff, which seems... Like, is that, was that like a myth? I, I don't know. Like that Native Americans can't, you know, drink. Otherwise, I don't know. That's a, but it, it has something to do with that. Um, but Don's TV died. He goes into the office and he's like, um, oh, my TV died. And the woman's like, oh, uh, we'll get you a new one as soon as I fix this. But Don helps her fix the typewriter. 
And she's like, did you serve? He's like, yes. He goes, oh. He goes, you know, my husband, they do a thing with the VFW. He'd love you to come if you're still in town. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be. She's like, well, if you are. He goes, why didn't he ask me? Oh, he will. He will. Um, he goes, well, what about my car? You think it'll be ready? He goes, I, no, he goes, I think I'll be out. I think I'll be gone by then unless you know something about my car. She goes, well, I know he'll overcharge you, but it'll do a good job with the work. And um, the next day, Don um, sees the guy at the hotel, and he's like, hey, you want to come to this uh, this VFW? Oh, he's got his car fixed, and he's like, do you want to come to the uh, thing? He's like, oh, I think I'll be leaving. He's like, oh, you know, I'd really like you to come. You know, we're having a meeting, and, you know, it's, 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 it'd be nice to, to um, have you there. It's a VFW. They, he knows Don is a, is a veteran. Um, and he's like, look, if you, I'll throw in a, the day. I'll throw in an extra night if you stay. And if you can fix this Coke machine, I'll throw in another night. And he's like, I'll go get my tools. It's like he just wanted to have this guy around. He goes, look, you've been here for six days and you took two phone calls. So um, you're, no, you're in no rush. Um, and they bring this guy into the VFW hall. And <clears throat> they're... Um, they're just kind of old veterans hanging out, smoking, drinking. Um, they're raising money for this guy who um, who had a fire in his house, and um, you know Don put forty bucks in. They're like, oh wow! And he said he's a he was a colonel in Korea, uh, and Don doesn't like to talk about the war. I think he f- still feels shame about what he did and how he's not Donald Draper, but. He hangs out with these guys, and a lot of these guys are recognizable faces from things I, you know, I don't know. There's an older guy um, who, uh, oh, so this, they're like, you're in Korea, and they bring this other guy who's in Korea, and they just kind of make you think that this guy's going to recognize Don. He doesn't, but they're like, let me see your face, and Don just doesn't like showing his face. It's almost like the cop thing, where Don's always fearful of being seen. He looks over at the guy, and he's like, oh, he goes, when did you serve? And Don's like, before it was even called the war. And he's like, oh, I wasn't there till 53. He's like, oh, I was already home by then. Now, maybe Don says that early all the time so that people um, won't reckon, you know, think, oh, I, wasn't, I was already out by then. So he says that. I'm not sure. Or it's true. I'm not, I don't know. But the guys sit down together. And then um, the, the entertainment starts. And they bring this woman out uh, of the cake. And she's like, you know, scantily dressed, you know, just burlesque, kind of shaking her shaking her, her, her booty. Um, and Don's laughing. He's not talking a lot. They're like, you're not talking. You're just kind of hanging out. No, no stories there. And these guys are all gabbing. They all know each other. They're all friends. Don doesn't give any talking. And then later, they're just drinking more, drinking more, drinking more. And they ask the guy, one of the guys to give, tell his story. And now this actor, he's been in a lot of things. But to me, he is always um, the owner of DC Cab in the movie DC Cab. And I'm talking... This is early, early 80s. He had full brown hair, a brown beard. He owned a cab company. He shot a flamethrower. And I thought he was awesome in that movie. And I'm like, he never did a ton of other things. I think he played Max in that movie. Maybe that was his name. Or maybe his name is Max in real life. I don't know. But I recognized him right away because I've seen him things since then. But he's just so old now. I just want to go back and watch. If you've never seen DC Cab, it is a... It is an interesting movie. It's a screwball kind of comedy. Mr. T is in it. Um, um, what's his name? This guy is in it. Uh, I mean, those are the big major names. I, what the hell is this? Gary Busey. Gary Busey's in it before Gary Busey like, went cuckoo bananas. Um, Bill Maher is in it. There you go. You know the name Bill Maher? 
from HBO. He's in it. Uh, it's a kind of been a classic cult uh, comedy for me and my brother growing up. Um, okay, but that's besides the point. So he gives the speech about, obviously he's in World War II, and he gives the speech about, you know, there's three of them, they're freezing, they're starving, they're boiling bark, just trying to get by, and they see four guys, four Germans, um, and I wasn't quite sure. I thought they were going to say they ate them, but I think... They just, it was like them or us, and we had them dig their holes and killed them and then took their stuff. I guess that's what they're saying. And it's like, you got to do whatever you do to get home. And for the first time, I feel like ever, Don felt comfortable. He felt like he was amongst um, allies. And he didn't tell about this. He didn't say he took this man's life, but he told the truth. For the first time ever, he said, I got my, well, I think he told Megan, but... <clears throat> he just kind of felt maybe he was drinking too much. Maybe he just felt so comfortable, but he said, I killed my CO. And they all looked at him. He's like, we were, you know, we were doing something, blah, blah, blah. I dropped my lighter. It ignited and I got him killed, blew him up. And they just, they just like put it, put their arm on him. And he goes, that's the name of the game. It got you whatever it takes to get you home. And they share a drink. They share a song and they're just kind of hang like they're doing they're doing like a you know a drinking song. Meanwhile, like there's an old old soldier slow dancing with the burlesque singer in the background, which I thought was funny. Uh, and you think you know what? Good for Don. Nobody, I don't know anything about being a soldier, but I I do understand the the thought of no one can understand a veteran or a soldier or someone who's been through that like another veteran soldier someone who's been through that so having these guys together there's a bond that nobody else can have there's a there's a shared camaraderie um that they were the lucky ones that got home and i think don felt that and that's why don opened up and then that's where all the good times ended because next thing you know, Don's getting woken up. And I thought, oh, they're going to do some sort of – this is the first thing I thought of. They're going to do some sort of cool, like, hazing thing to Don. The second thing I thought of is, oh, my God, they recognize him as Dick Whitman. Uh, but no. They grab him and they 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 start telling him they, he stole the money. Remember they're raising money for this guy? They're like, you stole this money. And um, you, he's like, I didn't steal your money. Why would I take a little money from you? And they beat him with a phone book. And it's the old guy who told the story. The guy I was talking about, the actor I knew, and the, the other guy who served in Korea. You may know him from the office. And they beat this guy with a – they beat Don with a um, phone book. And they're like, you need to get the – you need to get our money back. Or, and they took his car keys or you're not getting your car back. And, you know, the woman who owned the hotel, she's holding the coffee can that all the money was in. She's upset that she's seeing this. And – but, you know, she let them in to beat the shit out of him. Um, but, you know, at that VFW – with this was going on, um, the fundraiser for the guy, you know who was working as a waiter? The same kid who was working at the hotel. And a little shit stole from them. And Don knew it. He comes into Don's hotel room the next day. Don shoves him, pushes him, shoves him really hard on the bed. It's like, you took their money. And, he, you know, the kid never didn't. He, he's like, whatever. I, they doesn't need that money. He burned down his own kitchen, the crazy man. Um and Don's like, you're going to get the money back because once you do this, that's a major crime and you can't come back from that. He goes, you don't know the feeling of not being able to come back, not being able to go back anywhere. And being, you're, you're, you know, so Don's like, don't make the same stupid mistake 
that you can't take back like I did. And he's like, you're going to get the money. And he's like, I, I, I you know, he's like, um, the kid says something about, I, I, I want to get out of town. I want to leave. He's like, well, then you, you'd never be able to come back. So give me the money. And next thing you know, Don is in the hotel room, takes the bag, puts it on the table. He never throws the kid under the bus. So they think maybe he stole the money. They think he's some sort of grifter. And he gives the guy's key, keys back. And Don looks at him and goes, I'm not paying for the hotel room. Leaves, gets in the car. The kid's like, can I have a drive to the bus stop? And he's like, yeah, get in, whatever. Gets the kid, drives the kid to the bus stop. And this is where it felt like a big significant moment for Don. Because this could have been any episode where Don just kind of goes off on a bender and leaves town and goes off to be alone. Because that happens from time to time. Don likes to drive. But he pulls over. Turns off the car. Looks at the kid. Throws him the keys and says the pink slips in the, in the, in the glove box. It's like, what are you doing? He goes, don't waste this. Gets out of the car. He sits at the bus stop. And the kid gets in the car and leaves. So Don is like throwing it away. He's like, I'm off for my next adventure. I don't even want this car. I want to do what, wherever the bus takes me. I guess. Like, like, he just, it's like a rash decision. Like, he has all these routes he wants to go on, and he's not doing any of them. Is he taking the bus home? I don't know. He doesn't, you know, it's, it's this is the, the modern world where his, his wife, his, Sally would have texted him right away and said, come home, and then they would have FaceTime on the way home because mom's sick. Um, but in this world, she doesn't even have a way to reach him. And he hasn't reached out to her yet, so he has no idea what's going on with Betty. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Are we going to get back to New York? There's one episode left, and I have no idea how long it is. I don't know if it's a two-hour episode. I don't know if it's a one-hour episode. I don't know what it is, but everything in the world is going to be wrapped up in the world of Mad Men, in this one episode. And it's like, oh, do we see Betty again? Is Pete done? I've already talked about that, but what happens with Don? Is Don just off now? Is Don just gone? Just kind of living his life on his adventure, on his route? Uh, that's the episode. The episode ended with Don sitting alone at a bus stop. A lot of Don alone at the end of these, at the end of, at a lot of Don alone at the end of many of these episodes over the years. But um, yeah, that is it. I mean, we haven't seen, we don't, we might have seen the end of Joan, but we didn't even see Peggy or Roger in this one. Did we, like, Peggy's big moment was taking the job at McCann and just kind of sauntering in with the cigarette hanging out of her mouth? I don't know. No, we have, we have to get closure on some of the characters we didn't see. We have to get Don with his kids, I hope. I mean, look. If you've seen this episode, if you've, I've seen, I don't know exactly what I'm going to see, but the picture of Don Draper, and spoiler alert to the final episode, the picture of Don Draper seemingly meditating or doing yoga with some sandy California looking thing, that picture is well known in my head. I've seen it. You, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you can't escape it. But I don't know what it means. I, I, to me, I thought it meant... I just was thinking, oh, Don leaves everything behind. Is that what it is? Because it looks like he's almost done that now. He's talking to his kids, but 
He's left his job behind. He's left his freaking car behind. Um, he's got no Megan. He's got no Betty. He's got no job. He's got his savings. And um, he talks to his kids on the phone from wherever he's stopping. So is that what he's going to keep doing? Is he going to keep roaming the earth? I mean, I don't know. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out next week when it is the final, final, final episode of Mad Men. And it is almost the final episode of Made Man because pretty soon Made Man is going to be something else. It's going to be something more. And I hope, I hope, I pray you stay with me because, look, I hope you join this podcast because you're a Mad Men fan. But I hope you stay with this podcast because you like the sound of my smooth and silky voice. And you'll follow me to the next show, whatever that may be. I know what it is. But I'm not going to say what it is yet because it's not important. What is important is how things end in Mad Men. And we're almost there. And I am excited and sad and curious and sad and excited. I think I covered all three major emotions. Those are the only three emotions, right? I think. And I mean, I, I don't, the, the possibilities are endless. And this is the last time that I'm going to wonder what's, what could, what's going to happen next because there is no next. This is it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are one step away from the ultimate journey coming to a close. And I want to thank you for coming along with me on this journey for so many effing episodes. But it all comes to a head next week when this journey finishes and I finally achieve the status of Made Man! Don't forget, stay home. Fans not experts.